Hello and welcome to the Doctor Who Show Hot Takes for the season finale of Doctor Who Series 11, The Battle of Ranscor Av Kolos. I'm Dave. And I'm Rob. And we're here to have a chat about episode 10. How are you, Rob? Dave, I've had a very, very busy day. Um, and in fact, so busy when I was watching this at work at lunchtime uh, in a meditation pod. Yes, we have meditation pods at work. I fell asleep for half of it. I don't know whether that says something about me or about the episode or about both of us, but I did. <laughs> well, we're here. We've got to the end of series 11. Now, we will be back in a week's time to do a bit of a summary, review our scores, give our players of the season, that sort of thing. Um, so we'll be focusing as much as possible just on this episode. And uh, may I kick us off, Rob? You may, Dave. This was terrible. Yes, yes. And 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 let me say, it's not the worst episode of the series in terms of um, its quality or how it was put together, mm. but in terms of what it should have been, what it could have been, what it was trying to be, I thought this fell so, so far uh, wide of the mark. It is as though they took all the things that have been annoying me about episodes in this series <laughs> and put them together Frankenstein-like into one episode where they were all there. I struggled a lot with this episode. Uh, look, I will have a few positive things to say about this. I'm going to try and explain why I don't like it. I'm not just going to try and kick it for the fun of kicking it, but I'm going to say right at the start, that's where I'm coming from. Rob, how about you? Yeah, look, I, I hear you, Dave. Um, as you say, there are there are good aspects to this episode. You know, musically, I think it was really good. Um, uh, Production-wise, you know, the look of it in places I thought was very good. Uh, but the story itself and how it all hung together, I thought, yep, Chris Chibnall is certainly back in the writer's seat. Should we do our words of the week before we go uh, any further? We should. What was yours, Rob? Dave, my word of the week is relief. And my word of the week is minority. Okay, very intriguing. Let's dive straight into what I think was one of the key issues with this episode. And I've got a few things to say about this, mm. and that is the big bad, who is the big bad of the the series, I guess you could say, as well as the episode. Well, yeah, and look, I, I don't like, you know, praising myself too much, but if we go back to our first episode, I said, look, I don't think Tim Shaw's dead. I'm not adding him to the Chibnall death count this week, Dave. And lo and behold, he wasn't dead, and they brought him back. So, yay me, I just wish he was a more interesting villain to have been brought back. <laughs> yeah, and and I, I, actually, let's pause just there and say it's an interesting approach they've done to the episode. And it's, as a philosophical approach... I don't mind it. I mean, RTD had the approach that he would throw everything in the kitchen sink at the series finale, and sometimes he'd pull that off, parting of the ways, journey's end. Other times it was just too much. It all sort of fell apart under its own weight. Mm. Stephen Moffat, again, not really throwing the kitchen sink at it, but he would pull a lot of ideas together so that an episode was groaning under its own weight. And again, sometimes that worked, sometimes it was too much. There's no rule that says a series finale has to be a finale in inverted commas. No. Classic who very rarely had series finales. They might have had a bigger six-parter in the Tom Baker era or, you know, the big Barry Letts episode in the Pertwee era. But, but you know, they weren't, they weren't finales. So it's interesting that they've gone for something that isn't either of those things, yet they've brought back the Tim Shaw baddie. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And and very early on, when when it was a reveal that you know Tim Shaw was back, I thought to myself, you know what? Maybe this series could have worked better if Chibnall had just done the first and last episodes. You know, introduced everything, introduced Tim Shaw, then came back at the end and wrapped it all up. What could have been in the middle if we didn't have all those other Chibnall episodes? Yeah, maybe, maybe. So let, let, let me branch off from there then, Rob, because you mentioned how Tim Shaw was revealed. Now, I made the note at the time, they did the whole, I know that voice, and then it was, oh, yes, that's Tim Shaw. Then there was this dialogue of, is that him? It's not him. I'm not sure. It could be him. <laughs> But they never actually said that it was him. They just sort of let the audience assume, well, of course it's him. We all know it's him because we're watching television and that's what happens. Yeah, you are right. It was interesting. They were pretty sure it was him. Oh, I know that voice. Yeah. But then they backtracked all of a sudden. (laughs) It's like, uh, why are you backtracking? You were pretty sure a few minutes ago. Yeah. Good spot. And look, I mean, I think most fans, as you did, Rob, had the suspicion that he would be back at some point. So when the blue light fell to earth in the opening... I kind of thought, oh, that's probably going to be Tim Shaw. Mm. Couple of problems, one of which is the dialogue and the way he delivered it, because there were whole scenes, some of them I think important exposition scenes, I could barely understand a word of what he was saying. Yeah, there's one in particular where he, because I've rewatched this again tonight, obviously, because I um, slept through half of it at work. <laughs> uh, there is one scene where he first takes off his mask. And he delivers about two or three sentences. And for the life of me, I have no effing idea what he said. None at yeah. all. Yeah. And there's another one. It's the big confrontation where he's sort of leading in to talk to the doctor and kind of trying to explain what's going on. And again, the middle part of that, I, I couldn't get at all. And I was really trying. It, it was like listening to, for Blake 7 fans, um, Travis disguised as Shivan in uh, voice from the past or I guess if you want a slightly more modern reference Bane from that last Batman movie you know like it was like that and that's not a good thing no Um, the other problem that I had as well was the name now in The Woman Who Fell to Earth there was this attempt to have the Doctor undermine the character uh, in a non-violent way by giving him a stupid nickname. You know, the moment she says, oh, Tim Shaw, then if you're British, you think he's some actor or comedian, and if you're Australian, you think he's the guy from the... Um, but wait, there's more commercials. Mm-hmm. A- and it undermines the character. It's a way of the Doctor sort of beating down the baddie without using weapons, by, by, by psychological beating down, if you like. The problem is, if he's meant to be your big bad and he's about to destroy planets... And you're like, oh my God, what's Tim Shaw up to? It just doesn't work. It's silly. <laughs> I found the whole plot quite silly, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but you're showing it. You, you're you're making it silly. You're you're showing how silly it is by calling the guy Tim Shaw. Yeah, yeah. Look, look, I know. But but again, to go to go to that plot. What, what was happening? Planets were being shrunk into tiny little bits of crystal, killing everything on them, but then at the end they were zapped back into place and presumably everything came alive again. Um, he was creating this weapon that they only really were turning on just because the Doctor had shown up. They'd only zapped a few planets before that. Even though it had been thousands of years, it was just convenient the Doctor showed up at the right time. Um, even the fact Tim Shaw had lived for thousands of years. You know, these other... The, 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 the ucks uh, 
they said they could live for millennia. Was Tim Shaw's race meant to live for millennia? I know he had these sort of huge bellows and he'd sort of turned into Darth Vader at one point, you know, they were doing the breathing for him sort of thing. Yeah, fact, yeah, yeah. When it was like... And they go, I know that voice. I thought, yes, so do I. It's Darth Vader. Fantastic. Um, but, oh, gosh. So, so yeah, let's see if I've got it. So, Tim Shaw was sent by the Doctor... Now, is he sent back to his world and they sent him here or he went to this world by accident or I presume, by design? I presume he got there by accident. Right. And the so, and the Ux, even though they seem to have lived for millennia and they're very smart and can do wonderful things, uh, are suddenly like primitive tribes. People are like, oh, it must be a god. It must be yeah. a creator. What the yeah, hell? We've been waiting for our god to drop out of the skies. That guy dropped out of the skies, so therefore that's our god. Okay, I'll buy that. That's a sci-fi cliche. We're watching Doctor that's fine mm. so he uses the ux powers to sustain his life and to capture and miniaturize planets in stenza technology which then powered the weapon with though no, which which channeled their power through the planets into the weapon mm. so he could attack earth the other ships knew about it and they were just coming to stop him and he stopped them somehow and there were people captured I'm not sure why <laughs> and in the meantime the planet attacks people who land on it and that's unrelated to the plot or it's related to the ux power or oh and these these people who had gone to the planet to stop him um it seems pretty piss weak were they just sending like a few people at a time to stop this super weapon um <laughs> That's yeah, very, and, very odd. And I'm genuinely, listeners, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm sounding disingenuous because I'm, I'm genuinely not. I'm genuinely still trying to piece together this plot in my mind, partly because a lot of the exposition either was really badly written or, or was, as I said, unintelligible. And I'm not quite sure what was going on, apart from which it was really badly structured. Mm. Oh, I completely agree. I, I kept having this overriding thought throughout the whole thing, like, Poor Chris Chibnall, you you love your Doctor Who, but by God, you can't write it. You cannot write it, Chris. No, I mean, let, let, let's mention some of the dialogue. I made a couple of notes here. Um, you call it training, I call it creating doubt. Well, that's a nice piece of natural dialogue there. Yeah. <laughs> I still remember how to take down robots. Luckily for you, that's the sort of thing people say to each other. <laughs> yes. Those that came before us that failed and fell. Again, another natural piece of dialogue that, you know, you'd get in a conversation. Oh, it just rolls off the tongue. Oh, you know. <laughs> and and, and, and Jodie, who... Okay, so back to the structure. 22 minutes in, all they'd really done is land and walk a lot. Yep. So they actually really hadn't discovered anything. I think they get to Tim Short about the 22-minute mark. Then there's another two minutes of getting from the entrance hall to his room. Mm-hmm. Then there's 10 minutes of Jody saying, so anyway, tell me what this is. It's how I'm going to have revenge. Sure, tell me what it does. It's going to destroy the universe. Cool, tell me how it works. Like, <laughs> so bad. Do you know, my wife said at the end of it, and but what you've just highlighted there just is perfect for what she was saying. She said, they've got to stop writing these like they're audios, like they're big finish. Yeah. Where it's all just, you know, talky-talky, everything's explained. Um, she said, it's written like audios. It's crazy. And I said, you know what? I think you're right. 
you know, and it just ties into what you're saying there. Just it, it is absolutely. If you close your eyes, it'd be like listening to Big Finish, probably in terms of quality as well. I've got to say, but uh, I digress. With with a lot of walking, <laughs> yeah. So it was really badly struck, and then there was a huge amount happening in the last ten minutes. You get the whole uh, Graham Ryan arc sort of dealt with, which was a good part of the episode. We'll get to in a moment, I think. Mm. That was sort of dealt with in a very compact way. The Doctor was ended up just sort of getting everybody in a room holding stuff and pushing buttons and somehow that stopped the alien's mental power with the blocking things. Yeah, and she said, oh, the planet will, you know, will get to us. And Yaz is like, I'll take that risk. And yet throughout that whole sequence where they didn't have the neural things on their heads, I don't think the Doctor or Yaz really suffered that much or lost their minds or anything like that. No, there, there was no real tension from that. So... If the blockers stopped the mental power of the arcs, that stopped Tim Shaw. So that was all that needed to stop Tim Shaw. But because the planet were about to explain, explode from the shells, that then became the danger and the Doctor had to remove the planets and get them back before they expanded back to natural size, yes? Yeah. Yeah, so there, there were two different perils. Yeah. Yeah, good, good, good. I'm glad the, the, that they They weren't particularly interesting, but yes, there were, there were <laughs> right, two. Right, right. Uh, the final well, look. The final other big problem I had with this, you know, we've spoken about the structure, the dialogue, Tim Shaw, is the use of the regulars. At the half hour mark, I've written a note: Is Yaz in this? Really? I mean, she was in the second half, but even in the second half, all she was doing was feeding the doctor lines, like, "Doctor, tell me what this is." It's one of those. Doctor, how does this work? It's going to do this. Mm. I I didn't think Yaz was in this episode in any meaningful way. Yeah, but earlier on, yeah, I can see what you mean earlier on. Later on, she was, she did have screen time. She was running around doing stuff. But um, yeah, look, I, we've said it before. We'll say it again, no doubt, in our wrap-up episode. She's been the, the weakest link this series. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's let's talk about some of the nice little bits, you know, the, 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 the gems in the rough. Mm, you found some? Well, <laughs> Rob, across the course of the last 10 episodes, you've been Team Graham. Yes. I've been Team Ryan. Yes. And, and and I've acknowledged certainly that I really respect your decision to be Team Graham and you, you've definitely, you know, that you've backed yourself home on that one. He's been a really good. But I, I'm still a big fan of Ryan as well. Hmm. I was very pleased to see that that relationship did get a good amount of screen time here and there was a, a nice build-up to it. It was obvious, and Rob, you picked it. Like, you picked every moment of it apart from Graham dying. <laughs> um, you picked every moment of this... Uh, arc or character arc 10 episodes ago so mm-hmm. um, you know there are points for the viewer that you're playing for at home thank you um, <laughs> it was obvious that it was cliched and it was predictable but those two actors did it really really well oh yeah yeah and again we got a we got a grandfather we got an I love you which was new and uh, we got the fist bump in the end everything we, paid off we did and and beyond that as well we got to see them genuinely working together. We got to see, and again, the whole Graham, I want to shoot the bad guy. No, you're not allowed to shoot the bad guy because I'm the doctor and that's not how we work. Well, doctor, she killed my, etc. Like that was hugely cliched, hugely predictable. There was no way that Graham was going to ever shoot Tim Shaw. He was going to have some sort of moment where he could have but didn't. Like mm. I saw that coming from you know the five minute mark of the episode. Yeah. Again, though, Bradley Walsh played it phenomenally well. He was well supported by Artosan playing Ryan. And, and getting them to have the interaction of, Graham, you don't want to do this. No, I don't. And then working together to find another resolution. Again, 
the plot was obvious, but they played it really, really well. Oh, yeah. And look, the whole thing where he shot Tim Shaw in the foot. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, I only shot him in the foot. You know, don't tell the doctor. I thought, yeah. I thought that was genuinely funny. I quite enjoyed that moment. Yeah, exactly. I thought that, that was a good little strand. Uh, it could have been more interesting, but yes. those two actors have again taken very dull material and given it a really good shake. And I, I respect them and I like them for that. All right. Well, that just leaves, in terms of the TARDIS crew, the Doctor. Dave, I think Jodie has found her Doctor here. She's not as wet as in other episodes. She was tough in places. Uh, She still did a few lines here and there that just annoyed the hell out of me. And I still don't think she is a great, great Doctor. And she hasn't had a really great, great story to sort of make her a great, great Doctor. But I think out of all the episodes so far this series, this was one of her stronger ones. Uh, Yes, it was. It was. I still don't think she's really landed as the Doctor. We'll talk about that a lot more, I think, next week. Mm. But it was definitely one of her better ones. She had, I won't say better dialogue, because that's not true, but she had more to do. She was actually driving this plot in a way that she wasn't in a lot of other episodes and and that is a good thing the doctor should drive the plot particularly in the last episode so that i think was a big help to jody's performance oh absolutely and there's even some small things like when she was using the sonic she wasn't sort of spinning around and waving her arm about as if she was about to say you know expelliarmus or something you know from (laughs) from harry potter um you know she was just using it more as a tool and i thought okay you know even the little things are sort of happening right this is interesting i liked it you know that that line about um you know tim shaw you look a bit worse for wear i've got a new coat you know stuff like that was fun um but there were just those moments that just pulled me out of it that just didn't gel as well. And it's just, ah, oh, this series, this series. I don't want to get too much into talking about the series overall, but gosh, it's been disappointing. Yeah, look, as I said, this this did sum up lots of the problems of the series. Uh, although it does, like a lot of other episodes, look good. I was very impressed by the opening shots, the shot of the planet, mm-hmm. then coming down, the shot of the quarry. It, it felt like something out of uh, a Prometheus-type movie, like a, a big sci-fi blockbuster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I enjoyed the exploring of the crash ships. It felt to be, uh, not in the comedy value, but in the way it was done, very like those middle series of Red Dwarf. Yeah, I can go with that. I and really just like that. When they were walking through the crash ships and... That she said, look up ahead in the mist, and we see that floating monolith obscured mostly by mist. It looked much better than at the start of the episode where the guy was creating it, and you sort of saw all the Lego bricks sort of flying through the air, you know, clacking together. It was like, oh, that looks a bit cheesy. But when it was hidden in mist and part of the battlefield, I thought, oh, gosh, that looks good. Yeah, that was very nicely done. The... I don't know whether you say the control room or the power room, but wherever the ux and the planets were, that was a very impressive set, very well shot. Um, very Babylon 5 voice in the wilderness. Yes. The, the, the great machine down in Epsilon 3. I almost expected Zathras to walk past at one point. Yeah, with the way they were standing in the in the device, yes. Yeah, and what it was doing, yeah, I thought that was very cool. And the other big reference that I had, and it's a terrible one, is that the big weapon was a big laser beam and portal in the sky, like every bloody Marvel movie, like yeah. every, or every DC, like every blockbuster seems in the last 10 years has ended with some sort of 
big flashy thing in the sky and i didn't need that here very much agree shall we talk quickly about the support cast i mean there's not really much to them um you've got sort of tim shaw you've got uh andinio and delf who are the yucks and uh and pal i guess yeah so look i don't have anything else to say about tim shaw the the actor i don't know whether he knew that his dialogue was indecipherable or or not i mean the director should have been able to tell him but when i think about the classic doctor who performances of actors behind much more difficult masks uh you think of gabriel wolf playing sutek uh you think of the chap who plays magnus Greel, mm. um michael wisher as davros uh there was another one on the tip of my tongue that i was I was thinking of in that sort of era. But those sort of performances... Oh, Peter Pratt playing the master in Deadly Assassin. That was the other one. Yeah. You know, really, really difficult rigid mask getting a performance out of them. Uh, the guy playing Tim Shaw didn't get that level of performance through a much more sophisticated and, and flexible mask. Uh, I don't know how much of it he realised was not working, but it didn't work, and that's a real shame because 40 years ago people were doing that better yeah uh, samuel oatley's the actor it's like he's trying to do a voice and the more he tries to do the voice the harder it gets for him to talk or something it's, it's quite strange yeah something didn't work there and as i say i don't know whether to lay it at the actor's feet or the director's feet but someone dropped the ball on that one and so then dave we've got andinio and delph the arcs i thought this was quite interesting given you know well the race sounded interesting in terms of oh there's only you know two of them getting around at any one time but one of them was like an older woman one was a sort of a younger um, man of color um oh, but, but you know you know why that is don't you rob why is that dave because there are always two, a master and an apprentice. <laughs> yes, continuing the Star Wars theme of uh, of uh, old mate Tim Shaw breathing. <sighs> I did like those <laughs> bellows either side of him. I thought maybe it was overkill, but gosh, you know. You'd, you'd yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty it, well it was with those. No, it was another nice little idea in there, yeah. Yeah. Um, look, I, I thought these, these folk were interesting. I, I did find it a, a little weird that for people so seemingly advanced they would fall for the first person who fell from the sky uh but i guess it moved the plot along uh yes we should mention that one of them Delph, was played by the same actor who played a regular in wizards versus aliens oh is that right i've never seen that uh show yeah yeah he uh, played i think it was benny in in that show i've seen i haven't seen all of them but i've seen a few uh, he was also in the movie x plus y which is a very nice little movie so he, he has got some uh, credits to his name and i thought he did uh, well enough. I'm not familiar with the Lady Ux, though. No, me me either. Which uh, leaves us with Paltracky. I thought this was quite um, a good performance, you know, be- believable when he'd lost his mind, but when his mind came back, you know, he was, he was back into things. Um, he wasn't a dashing sort of hero. He was, you know, balding. He was overweight uh, and such. I don't know whether being the last of the his race to be sent out there means he was the best of the best or he was the worst of the worst. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I think he was fine. I didn't mind him at all. No, I agree with that. And, in fact, he had to deal with some pretty clunky dialogue and a pretty clunky role. You know, he had to be the guy, I've forgotten what's going on and I need to just memorize... And, and I need to just explain how my memory's brought back exactly the right piece of plot information at exactly the right time in the drama to, to let you know. You know, he did that role very, very heroically, I thought. All right, Dave, unless you've got anything else to say about the cast, I'm pretty much spent on talking about them. Well, let's go to the sports desk. Let's go. Let's go. 
here we are at the sports desk where for the uninitiated we talk about the MVP of the week, the play of the week and the foul of the week. Dave, where shall we start this week? Uh, let's go in reverse order this time. Okay. Rob, what's your foul of the week? Dave, my foul of the week is bringing back Tim Shaw. As I said at the start of the episode, I thought he'd come back. You know, I didn't put him in the Chibnall death count early on. I thought he wasn't dead. I thought we'd see him again. But he's such a rubbish villain at the same time. I just think bringing him back, you know, for what is ostensibly the finale, the big end to the series. I know we didn't have a big arc going on, so it doesn't feel that way. But you'd, you'd like something to really kick off in the final episode. Instead, it's like, oh, it's the guy with the teeth. And now he can't even sort of move about very well because <laughs> he's really old. And he's got this iron lung he's attached to. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's really interesting. Fantastic. So that's my foul of the week. No, look, that's very fair. I think that's sort of very similar to what we've been saying for most of the episode. Uh, my foul of the week is being given to the structure and the writing of this episode because it is everything that's been poor about this series for the last 10 episodes, which is not to say they've all been poor, but mm. as I said, all the weak aspects can come out through here. The lengthy exposition dialogue the very slow build-ups with very dull middles and then rushed at the end, the really clunky dialogue, um, all of those problems, all of the, you know, the, the, the doctor standing there explaining what she's going to do for five minutes and then pushing mm. some buttons. It is a consistent fault we've had. I suspect we'll be talking about this quite a bit in our summing up of the season next week, uh, yeah. but that is my foul of the week. All right. Well, what was your play of the week, conversely, Dave? So my play of the week, I almost gave it to the opening because, as I said, that really felt like a big blockbuster alien-type movie, the gorgeous shot of the planet, then coming down to the surface. The you know, I really felt there was something interesting going on there. But I'm going to give it to that final interaction between Graham and Ryan. I thought within it all, yes, it was obvious, it was predictable, it was cheesy, but it was nice, and I enjoyed that moment within an episode that I was frankly not enjoying. Okay. My play of the week is something that you've uh, poo-pooed a bit earlier on, mm -hmm. but you might you might see my reasons for it, yeah. and it's Graham wanting to kill Tim Shaw. And the reason I like this is the very realistic way it came across. Companions do awfully unrealistic things most of the time. But here, Graham took the Doctor aside and very quietly said, I'm going you know, to kill this guy. And, you know, she's like, oh, if you do that, you're as bad as him. And he goes, yeah, I'm not having that. Like, like what a load of BS, Doctor. I, you know, it won't make me into him at all. And I was thinking, if I was having this conversation, I'd probably say something like that too. You know, and it just struck me as very realistic, both wanting to do that and his reactions to the Doctor wanting to be all goody-goody about it and and so on and so forth um i i get what 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 you saw you know oh if you do this graham you can't travel with me and then you know of course he's not going to do it and all that i can see that sort of cheesy side to it as well but in terms of the guys here who killed my wife of course i'm going to have a crack at him <laughs> you know it, it just struck me as the most realistic thing i love the way he played it and for me it was the play of the week are you referring just to that first scene with the Doctor or to the second scene as well where he confronts Tim Shaw? More the first scene with the Doctor. Yeah, in, in that case, yeah, I totally see where you're coming from. It, it was the second half of that that I think spoiled it for me. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, even though I did have the shooting him in the foot moment. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Well, which which look brings us to our player of the week. This might be an occasion where we just count to three and say it at the same time. You ready? Oh, I don't know, Dave. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, look, I'll, I'll say I'm going for Bradley Walsh. Are you going for Bradley Walsh? No, I'm not. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious now, Rob. Who are you going for? Dave, I'm going for Jody again. Oh, okay. I, I really am. You know, uh, there, there are still those annoying aspects to the character. She still hasn't cracked being the Doctor, but, oh, she's she's getting there and it's almost like an encouragement award isn't that a very you know <laughs> millennial thing to i'm not a millennial but isn't that a very millennial thing the encouragement award look come on doctor you I can was, do it i was about to say to you as i'm, I, I'm listening to that and that, that's you know that's all very fair enough but if i told you 11 weeks ago that in our 10th episode talking about the last episode of the series you would give jodie whittaker the encouragement award mm. You know, would that really have met your standards? No, I'd be so sad about that, honestly. You know, uh, there are people out there who, who think Jody's the best thing since sliced bread. And, and really, if we get down to brass tacks, it's just because they don't want to criticise the first woman doctor and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. She hasn't, she hasn't cracked it. She hasn't got there. But she gets close at times, and I can see the potential. Look, I, I don't begrudge people liking her as a doctor, and I don't think we can fairly necessarily judge their reasons. You're right, there will be some people who have that motivation, but she's clicked for other people, and that's fair enough. She's yet to really click for me. And so you're right, heading on the right direction, but she should be there by now, not heading in the right direction. And that's why I gave it to Bradley Walsh, who has frankly been, since the first episode, the strongest performer in this series. He has anchored a number of episodes, and he... Didn't anchor this one because it was a drift, but he made a lot of it work that otherwise wouldn't have. Yeah, he, he was wonderful. And, yeah, it's a shame that Ryan didn't get that much to do. It, 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 frankly, this was a episode of two stars. There was Jodie and there was uh, Graham. Mm-hmm. And Jodie had Yaz to feed her lines and Graham had Ryan to feed him lines. Yeah, it's pretty just, much. Yeah, it, it's just that the chemistry between whether it's between Tosin and Bradley or between Graham and Ryan, the chemistry there is, I think, far, far better. So that rises Ryan above the level of just feeding lines to the the lead. Yeah. Yeah, precisely right. And it just makes me wonder how this will go when, when the show comes back, which at this point looks like 2020. You know, are they all going to be coming back? I don't know. Yes. Mm. We'll, we'll discuss that probably in our monthly show. I'd say so. Briefly, though, Dave, I've already mentioned it a couple of times, the Chibnall death count. We are at 19. We just added one this week, uh, which was basically for the crew member Um Sang, um, who we saw briefly on screen before Tim Shaw killed her. Yeah. Once again, a a point that we will reflect on next week, we started the Chibnall death count with one expectation. We've ended in a very different place. That's not to say it's better or worse, but that is something I'm really looking forward to exploring, I think, next week when we do our regular segment season length. All right, our words of the week, Dave. I guess we should crack through those as well. Um, I'll go first. Mine was relief. You could think of a a few reasons for this, um, but really it's just relief that the series is over, and that's a really, really tragic thing to say. 
Look, I totally understand where you're coming from there, Rob. I don't feel relief because I, I'm with you on the encouragement award. There have been good signs and good episodes in this series, and I'm all, almost disappointed. I think that maybe if they had another five, they might have got there. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Or it might have just been more of the same if Chibnall had decided to write a few more episodes. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And and it's been interesting. I've made a point in the last few months of following a number of much younger fans on of the series on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And, and they haven't been that far in their views from us, which I found very interesting. Look, I found a lot of people aren't far in their views from us. And it's not just like, crazies who are hating on Jodie and so on. Of course, they hate the series because they've hated Jodie from the moment she was announced. They're, they're not our people, Dave. They're not the people we're talking to or that we're like. However, all these thoughts kind of do dovetail. Um, whether you like Jodie or not, a lot of people are saying this series just hasn't hit the heights of past series. Full stop. Yeah, which brings me to my word of the week, which was minority. Mm-hmm. And that is, we are now 10 episodes through the series and I would only call a minority of them four out of ten really good episodes. That's quite fair. And when we say quite good episodes, they're still not genius, oh my God, what was that episodes? There have been none of those. No, no. But we'll again, as I keep saying, we'll explore that next week. But I was really hoping that this would be not an RTD-style finale or a Moffat-style finale. I didn't want the big arc resolutions. I didn't want 53 characters coming back and the stakes being raised. I didn't need that. I was happy with just a good final episode. But I was hoping this would be the one that would pull all the growth we've seen in the series together. The second half has been better than the first half and and sort of really land it in, in a way that I thought it was possible to do. And we would be left with five out of ten, which wouldn't be, you know, that would at least be a pass. Mm. I hear you. And, and I we didn't hear. we didn't get a pass out of this season. So that that's my uh, my disappointed word of the week. And look, listeners, as I say, if you are one of those fans that doesn't like to hear us knock an episode at length, well, I apologise. But it's a hot take and it's our honest thoughts. Shall we see what other people said perhaps before we do our score on this occasion, Rob? Okay, then. Do you want to kick off? Uh, sure. Our first is from Bernard JKD, who has written in, I think almost, if not every episode this this season. So thank you for your regular support, Bernard. He has indeed, yes. A series to be forgotten ends with both a bang and a whimper. An attempt to do a heavy, serious movie ep, yet it still had no drama or interest like all the other episodes this season. It's cruel to see this show so empty and lost. Doctor 13 needs a lot of rework to allow Jodie Whittaker to be credible. Completely agree with that. And, you know, the rumour out there is, you know, Chibnall will nick off after his next series and Jodie will go with him, you know, because they're mates. And I just think, oh, gosh, wouldn't it be great if she hung around, if he if he does go, wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if she hung around and worked with another showrunner just to see what she could do with someone different? Oh, uh, yeah, that, that could be good. Uh, but I do agree with Bernard as well, saying that it attempted to do a heavy movie-style episode. And I saw that coming through, and that I give them credit for that. Yeah. Andy Taylor at Bodge77. For a series finale, that was poor. How can it compare to Army of Ghosts, The Stolen Earth, World Enough and Time? There's been no great stories this time. The best was just okay. And I think that's exactly what we've just been talking about. Yeah, World Enough and Time, I'd forgotten that one. And that's that was so amazingly good. And I I remember how excited a whole bunch of my friends were 
at what was coming in that finale after the build-up that we'd had. Much like I can remember back in 2005 after seeing Bad Wolf and then, yeah. then, then that preview, you know, how did you survive the time war? They survived through me. Oh, my God! And having yeah. to sit there for a week to find out who they... Like, wow! Like, being so excited for those finales and all of the, the, the RTD people coming back in uh, Stolen Earth and then they get, wow! And, yeah... Yeah. Anyway, uh, David at David's Ideas, the Pirate Planet and Legopolis had a dirty weekend in Skegness. <laughs> very true. <laughs> yeah, very true. There was some moments where I thought it was very Pirate Planet, and uh, particularly the shot of, uh, um, um, the, particularly the first shot of Tim Shaw on his little chair with the bellows, I thought was very Queen's Anxia. Oh, absolutely. And with Legopolis, I mean, they were creating things out of mathematics. We don't know how the Yucks really do it. They sort of stand there and their eyes glow a bit. Maybe that is mathematics that's going on, you know, when they pull rocks together and, you know, make stuff happen. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Uh, David Clark at David Clark 14 says, A pretty good series finale with probably the best baddie the whole series. Some good Doctor moments and Team Graham all the way. Overall score for the series uh, 7 out of 10. A good series, but needs some better baddies and threat, but do love the TARDIS team. Yeah, I think we can all say that there's a lot to like about the TARDIS team. And if this episode worked better for David than it did for us, well, that's a really good thing. Yeah, but I know, you know, he's saying it's the best baddie of the whole series, but the series needs better baddies. So it's kind of damning with faint praise in some ways. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. Uh, another tweet here from Darren Signal at DC Signal who has also written into us before. Thank you, Darren. I might forgive this episode if there are future consequences for not killing Tim Shaw. Mm, I really don't want to see him a third time, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. I understand the point Darren's making, absolutely. You know, oh, we've kept him alive, what's going to happen next? But I just don't think he's that interesting enough to bring back again. And we assume we're not coming back here in the New Year special? No, no. The The rumour is it's a uh, a big enemy in that uh, special, which is why they're being so hush-hush about it. Uh, okay, well, I won't say anything more then. Mm. Uh, Rob McKnight, my good old mate from the 80s in the Doctor Who fan club. Rob says, a returning villain who was beaten so easily. This is everything that's been wrong with this season of Doctor Who. It was an okay episode, but not worthy of being a season finale. Correct. I agree. <laughs> Uh, Jason Turner at Turner underscore Jason C. Is it safe to say that Chris Chibnall attempted to reinvent the wheel with this series only to come up with something a little less round? (laughs) This series has been a lot like four-wheel steering cars or digital audio tape. Constructs that worked well in theory but failed in reality. That's actually, I mean, that's quite funny, Jason, but it is, it's, it's got truth to it as well. You know, I think on paper, everything Chibnall's done, like, you know, in terms of the plotting, like we'll have a historical here, we'll go into space here, we'll do this here, you know, we'll have Tim Shaw in the first episode, the last episode, you know, the way he's plotted it, the way he's put the TARDIS team together, it probably all works beautifully on paper, but in reality, it just hasn't quite come off somehow i remember us saying robert about the halfway mark of the series all the ingredients were there to work they just weren't quite balanced right or just not quite working right and i think they did get better in the second half but yeah that, everything here should work but just hasn't quite mm, agreed uh mike Solko, our good mate at ma Solko, says it was fine 
Ryan and Graham's character stuff tied up nicely. Jodie's doctor came across well. She could use more indignation scenes in the future. I'm not a big fan of the TARDIS as a plot device. The lack of anything for Yaz continues to frustrate. More thoughts are forthcoming for the monthly episode. I enjoyed 8 out of 10 episodes, so why does this feel so unfulfilling? I agree with the point that Mike made there about the TARDIS. Any episode that ends with the Doctor pushing a button on the TARDIS console, Mm. the creative team has fallen down. Yeah. Yeah. And and you can have very good episodes that do end that way. Pyramids of Mars is fantastic for for three and three quarter episodes, but it does end with the Doctor pressing the kill Sutek button on the console. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> uh, the next tweet is from Dallas Jones. Now, there's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Yes, he, Australasian Doctor Who fan club president all through the 80s. Yes, yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. If, I hope you're well, Dallas, if you're listening. He tweets from at Dallas Lee Jones. It's a return to classic Who of the 60s. They did not have a season finale. Season finales belong to seasons with a story arc. Totally agree, Dallas. As I said, I don't mind there not being a big-style season finale. I just want a good episode at the end. This isn't quite in the same league as a twin dilemma or a time flight or something where the budget has just clearly run out, the ideas have run out, and they've got nothing to do, but it isn't as strong as you want it to finish on. The Seeds of Doom wasn't necessarily a season finale, but it felt like the final, the Green Death. Uh, you know, I could go through a whole number of them that weren't big thematic end of season stories, but they were good stories to put a full stop at the end, and this wasn't that. Yeah, e- exactly. I-, I can see where both of you are coming from there. And finally, Mark uh, at Mark Cameron says, not the worst episode this season, but it was still pretty bad. Was I being harsh shouting at the Doctor to just get on with it? I hope the info dump stuff disappears in the next series. As is the festive season, I'll be nice and say four out of ten <laughs> wow yeah yeah look it's it's that's that's you know stabbing in the face but um i can't disagree with any of it the info dump stuff is a real problem with this whole series and it's been there in the non-tribunal episodes as well the doctor well in a moment i'm going to do this and i'm going to take this and this will happen then i'll do this and we'll see this happen and this will happen like just do it yeah yeah, and you know what? With with no Doctor Who in 2019, you know Chibnall needing this this year off to uh, go and create his next ten episodes, which I just think is such nonsense. Um, I wonder if it'll be like uh, him coming back and having picked up on some of these things and fixed them, or will it be like Trial of a Time Lord, where they had the big break and came back and still hadn't fixed anything? You know, is he is he going to learn, or <laughs> we're just going to wait a year and then come back to more of the same? Um, it's probably a topic for next week's uh, discussion, actually. Yes, all good thoughts, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Mm. Look, I don't have anything more to say without repeating myself. I don't enjoy kicking an episode in the guts. So I don't want to just stand here and do that once more. I think I've made my points. I'll probably have to give this... Gee, I don't know what to give it. Do you know what you're giving it for, Rob? I I know what I'm giving it, and it seems almost high in some ways, but I think it's fair. Go on. I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. Yeah, you see, I was going to go with a 5, but this is another example of where I have to say, look, I I don't think it was the worst episode of the series... I just think it was a letdown being in the slot it was. Mm. But that's an even score with others. So I'm going to be heavily revisiting my scores, I think, next week. But for now, I'm going to give it a five. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think we're in the same ballpark there. 
Fair enough. So as I said, we will be back in a week's time with just a bit of a summer up, some some thoughts about uh, the series that haven't really fit into one episode or would have taken an episode you know, over length because we want to keep these nice and manageable. We'll have our sports desk looking at the players and the fouls and the moments of the series. We'll talk about the Chibnall death count for the series. I think we'll have a word of the series and, <laughs> and, and just do a bit of a nice summing up uh, in a week's time. Yeah, and we've also got some listener uh, emails as well, so some longer stuff too. Excellent. Well, we'll be back in a week's time. Uh, if you have disagreed with us, we would love to hear from you and tell us what you think we missed because these are hot takes. Maybe on another looking, this, this there'll be some, some more to see in this and maybe we're in the minority. We'll find out. But until then, I've been Rob. And I've been Dave. We'll see you then. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to The Doctor Who Show, the podcast where too much Doctor Who is barely enough. Subscribe to us on iTunes or listen through the website at www.thedwshow.net. Write to us at hello at thedwshow.net or send us a quickie on Twitter at thedwshow. Facebook.com forward slash thedwshow is also a good place to find us if you're so inclined. Our version of the Doctor Who theme arranged by George Locke. Look him up on YouTube, folks. This podcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Doctor Who, all names and sounds, and any other related items are trademarks and or copyrights of the BBC. All other trademarks and trade names are properties of their respective owners. The official Doctor Who website can be found at www.bbc.co.uk forward slash Doctor Who.